Our scripture reading this morning comes from Genesis chapter 11. Well, it's coming from Genesis 11, 1 through 9 and 12, 1 through 3. We're going to get there in a minute. Join with me as we read God's word. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. And then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do now will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language, so they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. All right, I'm going to use this mic today, no problem. Okay, is a tech man going to come look? Did I do something wrong? Only at this church is it this confusing in church. It's supposed to be a production, man. (laughs) All right. This is reality TV up in here. Um, I'm Howard Brown, once again, the senior pastor here at Christ Central Church. And um, we really find it, it, it is important that we pray for our children, and it's important that you see the children here at Christ Central. And, you know, that doesn't even include the kids that are in nursery today. I want you to see them because each one of us here at Christ Central is called, if we're members of this church, to care for our children, to serve in nursery, and not to, not to call in absent when it's our time to serve. It's our calling here at Christ Central to teach children's church like some have gone and done that today. What we believe as a covenant family is this. We do not treat our children like pagans. Even if you don't believe in infant baptism and believe that they're covenant children or get the special mark of the covenant, which is infant baptism, any believer here doesn't allow their child to stay home when they want to stay home. We don't actually treat our children as if they're unbelievers. We treat them as if they belong to God. 
And I want us to know that and see that, and therefore praying for them the first Sunday in the month is something we are going to start. And I want you to put your heart on it, and I want it to encourage you, especially those of you who are parents. So we continue in our sermon series on the vision of Christ Central Church. We've been talking about eclectic community. You ready? Testing. Ooh. Gosh, this is a crazy morning. <laughs> With the kids and all that. Um, it's their fault. As we continue our sermon series on the vision of Christ Central Church, we've been focusing on one part of the vision, eclectic community, which is a vision of being a diverse church of people. A word up front before we get into this text about this diversity that we'll be looking at today. It's not about how we do it that we're going to be looking at and what diversity is. We can't answer all of those questions here today, but why? Where did it come from? If we were to encounter, if you will, a giant mural, I mean, the biggest mural your mind can hold of the many shapes and sizes and colors of the people of the, of the earth represented. And what if, like, like, they have at some of these interactive museums, this picture had a button so that if you were to push it, you could hear them all at once begin to tell their individual stories, the story of their lives, all in their own language. And what if, while they spoke, uh, it provided background music that best fit who they were culturally, all at once. And then what if by some technological advance, you could get the smells and taste of all the foods at once? A sensory circus of culture, of language, of ethnicity, of, of stories, of, of, of ways of thinking of importance. What descriptive caption would you put under this full media presentation? How would you explain what is going on? You could go out on a limb and call it beautiful or colorful or eclectic community. But if you were honest, you might just call it eclectic confusion. Or better term, earth. Humanity. At its highest cultural volume. Being as it should, significant, important to the whole, but confusing, dare I say it, diverse. And it begins to make us ask questions about diversity, like why do we live in such a mess, a, a mess that can and has led to, to serious misunderstandings, even to raging wars of who is better and more beautiful and what land belongs to what people are more powerful, more moral. Why can't we just all get along? Why is the confusion only calmed by fantasy movies in which an elf and a hobbit and a dwarf work together? I mean, in these movies, sometimes it's easier to deal with diversity when they, you know, make animals speak and you have the wolf and the tiger and the bear getting along. I mean, two hours of confusion relief can't stop the reality of awakening to a world of divisions. Why? 
think in part because we have failed to answer this question well. Why diversity? Why is it a good thing, considering all that I've talked about? Why should we accept and even promote its being in our lives? To to understand the mural we call earth and the way we have come out, we must look at the signature of the artist. God. God, the creator, did this diversity to us. Is God the perfect one, the loving one, the architect and artist of this diverse confusion? Well, it is safe to say that he created the world to be diverse. Just 10 chapters earlier, we have God telling the first human beings, Adam and Eve, after creating them to multiply, make more of yourself. But as you do it, he said, spread out, subdue the whole earth. In other words, disperse, d- diversify. And then after the well-known dramatic story of Noah and the flood, as people get off the ark, the story tells us that from Noah's sons, all the nations of the earth were to come to be. That diversity would be continued as God had designed it to do so, so that not only did God call the earth people to live in diversity, he kept it that way. And so I can imagine this large group of people walking out to diversify, to become the living picture that the artist God wanted. And they kind of stop in all one place together. In chapter 11, verse 2, it's called the plain in Shinar. And they get this novel idea that is not foreign to many of us. Let's avoid suburban sprawl. Let's create a new urban city center. I mean, these folk were cool and innovative and unified. They were so committed to the idea. The Bible tells us that even when the natural resources of the area could not support the infrastructure, they went to fabricated hardware. The Bible says that they made bricks instead of stones. They actually had to fabricate and and work hard to make it so because they were doing something they were not normally supposed to be doing. They were created, yes, with ingenuity and creativity and thought to build civilization, but to use that to fulfill what God wanted, to have diversity, to be all over the whole face of the earth. To have people who lived on a farm and people that lived on the ocean and people that lived in the plains and mountain people, all kinds of folk. So you get this idea that in stopping and then in having to fabricate their resources, they were pushing an agenda through that wasn't theirs to push. They were doing what wasn't right, what wasn't supposed to be done. You know, it's always been the thought, especially in church work, that diversity, church like ours, is very hard work. And yes, it is but only because we have fabricated social systems and norms that are a front to what is natural. We've moved in our world to build fortresses or institutions or denominations of oneness, the product of one people, group, and race from one place that speaks against the nature of our surroundings. Understand, stuff like slavery and racism that supported it required fabrication. Everything that went into making money for the genteel of the South said they were the pinnacle of human beings and the Southern society they built was to be protected and built on. 
This kingdom of one race of fully human and another of subhumans of one way of seeing things is a fabrication against what was obvious. This thing, this supreme race culture cannot and should not be built on the backs of fellow humans and on the disgracing and fabrication of God's creation and created will. Understand, in order to have a society in which human beings are enslaved, you would actually have to move away from what is obviously true and fabricate a lie. You'd have to look at another human being and say, they're not human. And it gets complicated. Complicated beliefs that if I have more money, we should be able to build a neighborhood and schools of the rich where the poor are not allowed. Where Section 8 Habitat homes will not be built. And those people will not be allowed because, you know, they come with their own issues. And it's this lie that says you can be separate and better and untouchable. That you don't need to be bothered with, with issues and lives and results of people who are poor or less fortunate. Who told you that? Why do you think that's true? It was not God's creative plan for you to live around all the same people just like you and in doing so, build a tower of security and then build a fence around it. Either through real estate or by looking at people in the wrong way or have a gated community. I don't know where we get this idea that we can just be around the same people and have the same ideas and build on it and have our own jokes and build our own sense of worth and ideas and ideals. Who told you that? Where'd that come from? And what's funny If you get enough people in power who speak the same language, you will be able to do and think, like God says here, anything. I mean, sometimes I look like they have those History Channel shows, and you look at what Hitler did. How in the world? How in the world did you get the third Reich? I mean, how in the world do you get this system that says we're going to obliterate people who look like this and we're going to take over the world and have an army of people marching with you? You know, if you have enough people fabricating ideas about their humanity and their ideals, you can do some crazy stuff like they did at the Tower of Babel, trying to build a tower to heaven. And God says, hey, look, they're going to do it. It's a warning to us. And we end up dividing, not diversifying, which is a difference. By crafting a supreme structure of fabricated human or racial pride and ideas and ideals that, that live and are fueled on the ability to be all the same. All speaking and sounding and envisioned to proceed the same way. To build many towers of Babel in this world. And God did not envision for it to grow or stay that way. We were designed to spread out, to evolve. And this, Darwin, is not the church's enemy. I like to use his language here, to differentiate. 
to in God's design and become a more beautiful creation, a human race being and growing according to how and what God wanted. And Christians have become the worst at this. We have fabricated this lie that truth is best known and built toward, that we can reach heaven, that that we can build churches in God's kingdom quicker and thus better as one voice, one ethnicity, one economic group, one political cultural group of people in attendance and in control of the interpretation of things. And then we like to do stuff like this. (laughs) Call it absolute truth. We believe in absolute truth. Sure, I believe there's absolute truth. The problem is you and your one tower don't have it. it. It's not absolute. If it's only one group of people or one political, it's not absolutely all the truth. You know, I I, I am in, uh, our church is in a denomination I believe in. I like the PC. I'm glad I'm here. They got some things I really, I wouldn't be here if I didn't think it was a good place to be. But the PCA don't have all the answers. We are not the denomination. There are other denominations who have truth. Wow. We got some things that aren't right. We have some growth to do. Surprise, I don't know it all either. That's a surprise to some of you. Surprise to me sometimes. I think I know. You know what's funny? Sometimes you even think, you know, we're so good, we're so absolutely on top of the truth that if we don't get it right now, well, we can get to it because we're competent enough to get it. And careful of mercy, ministry, or racial reconciliation, too. Why? You can help people out of their cultural issues and into your own. I used to think my job as a pastor when I was pastoring in, in Baltimore, it hit me. And this, was, this truth just hit me. I'm like, look at all the people struggling around me. You know, in my mind, I think I have this goal, like a lot of politicians, that everybody should be middle class. Why do I think everybody is supposed to be middle class and everybody's supposed to go to college? What, what kind of thinking do I have? And if you don't, then something's wrong. I want them to be like me. Everybody should have the station wagon with the wood on the side. Some of y'all too young for that. The minivan with the door that slides open. That, everybody's supposed to have one of those. Why do I think that that my cultural values most appreciated by the church or denomination or people group or ethnicity I'm in is the tower that all people need to join in and build? And again, why diversity? Because it is God's natural and right called and kept purpose for the world. And for that purpose and called the diversity, God wanted to confuse the oneness. Why diversity? to stop us from being tied to one people group. There was more to the building, building of the city and the tower that would reach heaven that meets the eye. Look at the story here in verse 4. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top to the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be, we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. What's wrong with this? 
God knew that we would seek to, as they did, to create security and dignity and pride for ourselves. And even how and whether we believe in him on our human origin. Our racial racial identity, because we have built a fabricated truth on our cultural and ethnic heritage, and somehow we have figured out how we touch heaven apart from God. I had a professor at Covenant speaking on Athanasius, another fourth century African church father, say to the class of 99% European Americans, get over it. What you believe today as a predominantly white church was saved by a black man. Why did he feel necessary to say, get over it? Because we want to feel good and secure and sure by being and claiming to be or want to be the culture that touches heaven. So much so that we will be led to revise history and even morality. Hey, look, man was Northern African, right? He, Athanasius, he's a black man. We, we, whatever. And then it, my brother went to, to class at one of the seminaries around here. And um, he said, hey, Athanasius is black. Professor, no, definitely not. He was white. Why does he have to be? He wasn't European, trust me. A lot of folk in Europe couldn't read. Right? Not in the fourth century. Folk was, anyway, here's the point. It was like, definitely not. Why not? Because certain folk towers have to touch heaven for them to be, feel secure in their Christianity. It ain't just white. I remember the Baltimore sniper. We were up in Baltimore. And you remember the descriptions of the Baltimore sniper when they didn't know who he was? He's obviously a white male in his 40s, upset at the world. And I was believing it too. Because, you know, black people don't sit around and snipe people. You know, we, what kind of training you got to have to be a sniper? We don't make it to sniper school. <laughs> See, I can be stereotypical because I'm black. Our voice is too loud. Hey, man, move over. <laughs> Sit. Jermaine, that ain't true, is it? There's some black snipers, and they quiet? They got to be. Okay. <laughs> got to talk to the general over here, you know, tell me what the deal is. And I remember when it fi- they finally caught him. He's black! Black people are moral. We don't snipe people. We're not serial killers. That ain't us. Because some way our own culture touches heaven. We're oppressed, so we've been oppressed, so we're automatically more moral. There's no way sin in that way could ever enter a black man. I remember Kelly, he black. Kelly's like, I know. That's like, we were all shocked. 
Even the experts were really a, a shock that a black man, and then it turned into, and then I got angry because it turned to another issue. How did a black man uh, organize and with such a uh, detailed assassination? I'm like, I want to be against the man, but now y'all making me want to be for him. What was his plan? How did he do it? All the pundits, black and white. I don't understand how he did it. He should have been caught after the first one. You know those people. He did get caught by bragging and talking. But anyway, or some believe to be more American would be the saving grace. Second generation is a, a first generational belief that the tower touched heaven was in America or in this country's way of doing things. Some of you want to be more white or more black or more Asian. Remember Leroy in The Last Dragon? Remember Shonuff? The Shogun of Harlem? I remember girl growing up in the 80s, man. If you were Kung Fu, everybody was Kung Fu fighting, that thing was right. Because there's something about being part of Asian culture, brothers wearing Asian pants and the shoes. Because we thought that was the way to go. They had peace and, and, and Buddhism started to catch on and all this kind of stuff. I mean, we thought that was the answer then. The Asian culture got it. But that's not the big one here. God confused these builders of the tower that would reach heaven to stop us from being united against him. Against him. And so these people, these ingenious group of people are building away and it's going great. And the Bible says God came down among them. I don't know what he looked like. And I can imagine God in heaven, and, you know, he, and then he hears this hammering and sawing and noise sort of getting closer and closer. And he's probably thinking, what are these humans up to now? And so as the Bible tells us, he comes down, he's probably walking around thinking, not bad. Pretty good stuff. Man, I made these folk smart. Glory to my name. Look what I've made. And I can see him stopping and asking as he's kind of singing glory to my name, right? He's just singing along. Why are they building this thing, sir? Y'all going to put my name on the side of it? Or, or build a prayer tower on top of this? Or is this a structure for Noah's Ark water park or what? And they're like, it is a monument to us. And I'm sure God's like, to who? To us. To our ingenuity, to our unity, to our abilities, to our supremacy. And I can imagine God is like, I see. And y'all going to do this thing too. Man, whoever made y'all is some awesome God. And I can see some smart guy probably like, yeah, but this ain't about him this time. And God sort of, has, sort of has his hands behind his back and says, oh yeah, and then instant insanity. Folks are babbling and fighting. I can see rocks falling down and people getting sawed in half because one told the other to get out the way and he didn't know what he was saying. Boyfriends and girlfriends saying to each other, we just can't communicate anymore. Folk now fighting each other and declaring, hey, let's move to the north side of town. Well, if you can hear me and understand me, let's go to the south side of town because these north side folk are crazy and there is chaos and confusion and mayhem and the beginnings of God's sweet and beautiful diversity. We now live in a world where even if we all speak the same language, we can't always get, a, get each other because we have different cultures. 
that we may all agree but can't communicate. But why? Of course, because we are evil towards each other because of sin. But in answering our question, God sees our hearts and he knows that you and I are always grappling for security and worth and the feeling of being okay, of being right and, and being close to God outside of the way he has called us to be okay with him. That you and I will do the impossible to seek every day to find a way to feel good about ourselves, in ourselves, apart from God, in our history, in our politics, in our culture, in our ethnicity. And we'll gather people around us and we will actually create our own little cultural ethnic church to offer prayers to ourselves. We'll find morality in a tower of victimization. We'll find morality in a tower of great accomplishments, of what some of our forefathers called settling, but what God would call stealing. This founding father's argument, please drop it. That they, you know, they, they were just, they were right there, they the church. The founding fathers and what they did were not the church. Two separate things. The founding fathers were not elders in a church. Every time we get to argument, well, what God and the founding fathers wanted, God and the founding fathers. Yeah, God said some men, founding fathers, will set up some things, but they were mixed up as me and you. And we praise God. He had some grace. We got a great country, all that stuff, nice. But the founding fathers' tower, we got to kick that one down too. They found it, yeah, but it's time to diversify it. Thank goodness, because so many of them wanted me to stay enslaved. Thank goodness it ain't the founding father's tower, because that kept going. Who knows? That's why we have amendments. Thank goodness. If it weren't for diversity and challenged by the so-called confusion of diversity, we would build away from a need to have God be our sense of worth. We would, be, we would become prejudiced. We, we would become small, Jesus, this world, and fight or tame God and others he's created to help us be worth something. Diversity says no one on earth, no one group, has or can fabricate a tower that reaches heaven, that gives us an exclusive sense of God worth. What makes you better today? Okay, better word. Where are you unique? These thoughts can lead to ideals, and those ideals can result in actions that will build a life separate, get this, not only separate from each other. See, we try to make a difference between, all right, I don't really like these people, I don't get along with these people, so I'm going to build these racist and prejudiced thoughts between people horizontally. Do you understand that when you do that, there is automatically something wrong vertically between you and God? You can't have both. The fact that these people were vertically joined together and building something away apart from God meant something was wrong here. You all had and should have the one or two relationships that make it hard to be right. I don't like to be around people who make it hard for me to be right. That one relationship that your joke fell flat in front of that made you mad. Those tower-tumbling interactions that confuse your way of thinking or building your moral life. 
I remember I did this talk at our campus ministry, has all of the campus ministers, and it was, hey, bring the black guy in for diversity. It wasn't that bad about that. They were doing good. I was messed up because I was talking. Oh, man, you know me. I got the multi-ethnic church. I know everything there is. Not because now the tower I have is, now I got to fight against, hey, I'm the pastor of the multi-ethnic church. We do it right. So I'm up there talking about race. So one of the campus ministers that, that was at Florida State, Hispanic guy, says, wait a minute. We don't understand race in our culture. What's race mean? I'm like, wait, black and white? No. Could you please talk about this this diversity thing without using the term race. I'm like, who brought this guy in? (laughs) I was wrong. Or not as right as I thought I would be. Thank goodness for him because I had to go back and think in terms of race and realize it ain't just black and white. Because in other countries outside of ours, the term race doesn't exist. It doesn't have a defining reality to it. It's nationalities. It's ethnicities. And I thought I understood it. And I went as the expert. And I began to think he's just causing trouble. Right? He just, you know what I mean. One of those, come on, man, you know what I mean. No, I don't know what I mean. That's the problem. I remember once, uh, I'm just telling my own stories here so I don't dog some of y'all because y'all got a lot of mess up. I remember uh, we had a lady who was going to our church who was the president, president of the Junior League here in Charlotte. And I made this statement. I, it was so stupid. And I was just like, you know, you guys are the Junior League, right? Like, did like that. And Todd, you don't remember Todd, do you? Came up and pulled me to the side. You can't do that. What's that supposed to mean? You don't know those people. You don't know what they do. They do a lot of good things and blah, blah, blah. I was like, Please, get out of here. I made the joke. I'm right. I'm black. I can make those jokes. And he was like, no, you can't. You're wrong. You're wrong. And I had to repent the R word. I had to repent. I had to go back and say sorry. Come on, man. Black people don't apologize to white people. We don't repent for our racism. It don't work like that. Yes, it does. If you did the wrong thing, it does. But here comes this guy from Buffalo trying to tell me what I did wrong. He ain't even from the South. You don't know nothing going on down here. Go back to the cold, down to the swamps, fighting, revolution. You don't understand. Why does God send confusion in his body? Confusing my way of thinking and your way of thinking racially, ethnically, politically so that we'll have to turn to Christ alone. Diversity is God's way of attributing worth to anything outside of him. Look at verse 1 in chapter 12. We're almost done here. 
And the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you. I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. He's saying leave your origins, leave your people, not stop being the ethnicity you are, but leave them so that unlike what happened at the tower, you will know in a foreign place, as a foreigner to that place, that there is one God and one hope. God sent us out, man. Each one of you in this place, in some way, should be a foreigner here. You have to be a foreigner to be a part of God's family. Because you don't, your culture, your ethnicity is God-given, and yes, we appreciate it and thank goodness to it, but it is not the one God is going to save the world through. There's a new culture going on. It's Christ-centered culture. See, Abraham, though he is an example for a lot of us. Abraham points to what Jesus came to do. The God-man left heaven and became a foreigner to those who are sinners so that all of us could be blessed apart from our ethnicity, apart from our politics, apart from our neighborhoods, apart from what we think about other people. He came to build a tower to heaven and he is that tower. I heard this old-timey-sounding gospel song that gave me the content of this line. Like Abraham, who goes from his people to someplace. Jesus was somebody who became a nothing to do something to save everybody from being nobodies. It's the gospel. It's the gospel. Why Christ central? Because in this church, we like gospel confusion. We don't like it, but we like it. To confuse your way of thinking and talking until it's honed back towards gospel thinking and living. Why Christ Central? Because the repentance that's going to be required when you realize you're not right, when your tower falls to the ground, it will be painful. The only comfort and repentance you're going to find up in here is in Christ Jesus. Turn to him. Get in each other's lives. Confuse the language a bit. And drive us together toward Christ the tower that reaches heaven.